0: It is one of those murder cases that stays in one's mind living in Toronto in 2006.
1: From my understanding it was like a love triangle.
0: All investigators knew in the early hours of that September morning was that three people were found dead in Canada's largest hotel. And the fact that they were tourists from Switzerland was big news.
2: When I arrived on scene here it was full of media, I bet you there have been 50 media outlets here, more so than I've ever seen at one scene all at one time. And they were standing right out here, and it just shows you the amount of attention that uh, this call got right off the start. It is a damp,
0: rainy summer day when I return to the scene of the crime with CP24's crime analyst, Steve Ryan.
2: It would, by far the worst I'd ever seen. Walking into that scene looked like you were walking into, you know, not that sounds so cliché here, but looked like you were walking into a movie uh, uh, horror film.
0: It was known then as the Delta Chelsea Hotel, now just the Chelsea. A 26-floor towering hotel in the heart of downtown Toronto. It's shadow cast over Canada's most famous road, Yonge Street at Gerrard Street. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, can I help you? Sorry, I'm Austin Delaney yeah, from CTV no. News. Hi, what's your name? I'm
1: Tracy Ford. Hi, tr- Hi, Tracy. You've spoken
0: in the past? Oh, probably. Tracy Ford, the hotel's director of public relations, spots us talking about the murders while taking cover from the rain under the hotel's canopy. You know, we're doing a podcast. This is Steve Ryan. Uh, you remember Hi. Steve Ryan from CP24? Yeah. yeah, so we're doing a podcast on, on, on cases that he did. Ford remembers both the former homicide investigator and the murders, like they were yesterday.
1: Yeah, I got, a, I got a call at about 4 o'clock in the morning from security that there had been an incident in the hotel and um, that I needed to come in right away.
0: I'm Austin Delaney, and for more than three decades, I have covered crime in the city for CTV Toronto, including this case. Steve Ryan is a former detective sergeant with Toronto's homicide squad. This was his case to solve, but it wasn't going to be easy for him personally. It was a gruesome find on the 19th floor.
2: Worst scene I've ever, I've ever seen with regards to the amount of uh, blood, just a complete devastation. The, you could hardly see the walls, they were covered in that much blood. But it was all done on one side of the room, which was odd. The, the, there were two double beds. The bed closest to the window, which is furthest away from here, obviously, was covered. White White sheets were... Red, covered. Ceiling cast off uh, blood samples, blood as well I should say. So blood was squirting the ceiling. Um, you could you get the impression as the fight was going on the blood is coming off the knife off of this guy's hand and blood spatter on the ceiling. It was, it was everywhere. The washroom was covered. Obviously one of them ran to the bathroom to try to to uh, save themselves at one point because it was covered in blood. <laughs>
0: It is an upscale family hotel in a sometimes gritty part of town, where at the time Tracy Ford had just taken a promotion as the hotel's media point person. She would have her work cut out for her over the years, but tells Ryan these murders always stood out.
1: There's been shootings, stabbings, yeah. Nothing like been this, been,
2: though. This was. No, this was pretty I, over the top. I've seen Austin. I, so I've done over 200 homicides in. 15 years in a homicide squad, it was the worst one I've seen, as far as the scene goes. It was
1: just... Yeah, I mean, a love triangle of of jealousy and um, obviously severe hatred and... wow.
0: To help us understand solving his case, the former homicide investigator takes us back to that morning, walking from his office at Toronto Police Headquarters, just a few blocks north to the crime scene, inside the hotel. Okay, so walk me through it. Let's go inside. Tell me what you're thinking as you go through this revolving door.
2: So, walk into this lobby back uh, during that homicide investigation. I still remember how eerily quiet this place was because I had given an order to have the entire place frozen. Nobody was able to come in or come out.
0: The first thing the detective sergeant did was freeze or seal the hotel's doors, meaning no one without
2: exception could leave. So we walked through this uh, foyer here and it was, you could hear a pin drop. It was very, very quiet. People were just sitting, standing, just waiting for some direction.
0: And you freeze it even before you get here?
2: I freeze it before I get here because if there is a suspect, we could have him in the hotel. And we need to freeze this place because the the suspect may be trapped in here or there could be key witnesses in here that we do not want to lose. So the whole place is frozen. Nobody came in or nobody went out. Because
0: in the very early stages of this investigation, there are three dead bodies. For all the detectives know, their killer could still be in the hotel hiding. No one would be going anywhere for about five hours
2: had to sweep the place, so I had the emergency task force go through this building to make sure that there were no suspects, that there were no other victims as well, because that's the other thing you got to be concerned about. Are there other victims who may have ran off and died in a bathroom or behind a bar? So the whole place had to be searched to make sure that there were no other victims and that there were no suspects. It was the Labor
0: Day weekend and the hotel was near capacity. There are 1,590 rooms in the Chelsea. Does that mean you knock on every door?
2: Every door was knocked on. Everybody was interviewed. Um, The rooms were, were, I don't want to say searched, but they were investigated. People were cooperative and they allowed officers to, to look into their rooms because we had to make sure that there were no other victims. That was the most important thing.
0: It is not nearly as busy today as we walk through the lobby searching for a bank of elevators, just as Ryan did September 11th, 2006. That day, Ryan was tasked with finding out why three tourists from Switzerland were dead in our city in a horrific crime scene. City Hall wanted this crime solved quickly. Toronto's reputation as a safe tourist destination was at stake. We step into the elevator. So it's 19. 19. When you're coming up the elevator, what are you thinking that first day?
2: A lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to get every homicide right, of course. But this one, I think, had the uh, ability to affect the entire industry. Had we got it wrong, or had there been uh, somebody killing tourists in, in the city of Toronto. so. It was one of those cases where we really needed to make sure that we got everything exactly right.
0: Because the theory, the initial theory was somebody's killing tourists.
2: Somebody in Mexico? Yeah, that's right. So when when the the Mexican tourists were killed, it was big news. And there was a lot of talk about um, the perception of tourists in certain cities and how it affects tourism as a whole. And now we have three people killed in a hotel here in the City of Toronto. The concern was, same thing, was there somebody killing tourists in the City of Toronto? Dominic and Nancy Ionero were the victims of professional killers. So says the state attorney general for Quintana Roo in Mexico, Bella Melchior Rodriguez. Rodriguez made that contention soon after the double murder, then retracted the statement.
0: Ryan says that following the unsolved murders of Woodbridge couple Dominic and Nancy Ionero in their room in a Mexican luxury resort that same year, there was real concern that there could be a tourist killer. So, you go to your boss and you tell your boss, we got three murder victims, there's three tourists. What does he say?
2: Big concern because months before, and it was still in the media, we had two uh, Canadian tourists that were killed in in Mexico, brutally murdered in Mexico. That was affecting tourism in Mexico and it was a hot topic here in the city as well. The concern was from city council and from uh, the senior officers with the Toronto police, do we have a tourist killer running around here in the city of Toronto was a big concern.
0: The 19th floor hallway by the three elevators is the initial crime scene Ryan comes upon that morning. So Steve, you get off, you come up on the 19th floor, and what's the first thing you see?
2: Yeah, that's right. So we get off the elevator on the 19th floor, and right here at this particular spot, this was covered in blood.
0: Ryan is facing the wall, elevator doors on either side of him, the up-down buttons in the centre, his hands showing me where he found the blood stains on that wall.
2: But it wasn't just like it was painted in blood, it was blood smears so it looked as though, or it it, it was actually, uh, fingerprints. So you got the impression, you could see that this man who was running for his life was trying to grasp on anything he could and his fingerprints were coming down the wall. And it was blood. All of this was covered in blood as well.
0: Ryan is pointing to the two elevator buttons, one with an arrow up, the other with a down arrow in the center of a steel plate.
2: He was trying to hit the button. You could tell he missed it quite a few times because his fingerprint was all around the uh, down button, but it did not hit the button. So you get that impression that he was panicking, trying to hit that down button to get away from whoever was attacking him.
0: And there's a lot of blood.
2: Oh, it's a mess. Here is a mess. And when we get into the room, it's a lot worse. But just this scene itself was incredibly um, horrific when it came to the amount of blood that was here. And where we're standing right here, this is where the man's body was found. He'd been taken to a hospital, of course, where he died. But this is where my investigation started, was at this elevator here.
0: So he's desperately trying to get away. but eventually he bleeds out, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's right. And he was he was naked at the time. So he obviously came from one of the rooms. Uh, witnesses heard screaming and shrieking. A couple of witnesses described a lot of pain, and they could hear the footsteps, and one woman said that she actually saw this naked man run past her past her room, and this is where he wound up. Obviously, he was trying to get to an elevator to get away from whoever was uh, attacking him.
0: Video from my news report that day shows blood stains all over the hallway by the elevators, on the walls, near the buttons, and on the carpet. And as horrible as the scene was, it was about to get worse for the seasoned cop. So you're here, you've got one victim.
2: One victim here clearly came from one of the rooms and we were able to, the officers who arrived on scene initially were able to follow the blood trail. And the blood trail from here led to one of the rooms down the hall. Was at that point the door was closed open that door and then it was a complete mess that broom was the worst crime scene i've ever seen with regards to the amount of violence the amount of blood that was left blood spatter on the ceiling the walls were covered one of the beds was covered in, in, in blood and there were two other victims in the hotel as well
0: investigators now have three people dead on the 19th floor two males and a female one male found dead in the blood-stained hallway by the elevators the other two in the room, covered from floor to ceiling in blood. So it's 1908.
2: 1908 is the number. Let's go down there. Sure. So you're just following blood. Following the blood. It's all. We, all and we is room. there a lot of it? Yeah, there's a lot of blood, and it's it just goes in a straight line. So it wasn't difficult to, to figure out, and we just followed all the way. And I believe the room was going to be just on the, if I remember correctly, maybe just on the right here.
0: We make our way down the narrow hallway, typical of any hotel, passing room after room. 1908 is one of the furthest from the elevators. The blood-stained carpet leading to the room has long been replaced.
2: So the entire carpet in this hallway we seized and we did that because at the time we did not know if there was a, a suspect outstanding and there could have been a lot of trace evidence on the carpet, meaning blood. Oftentimes if there's a knife attack, the attacker themselves have Wounds on them as well from the struggle. And if that had happened, we may have had some evidence captured in the carpet here. So that's why this entire carpet was taken.
0: 1908, here we are. Here we are. We are now outside the room where the stabbings happened. Two dead bodies remained inside when the homicide detective arrived.
2: This is the room. So when you open this door, it was a female's body just on this side of the door. She was in a, a nightgown. Um, she had a knife in her at the time and it was turned out to be an, um, an anti-mortem wound, meaning that it was done after death. You're able to tell, evidence-wise, if that was the case. How do you tell that? The coloring of the insides, of the fat that's inside of the body, it's a different color if the um, wound is done upon death, and it's discovered at autopsy. And that's information that would be given by the pathologist. So his information was that she was dead at the time. The knife was driven into her chest and into the floor, and it was, it was brutal.
0: This particular knife would give the detective his first clue as to what really happened inside room 1908. She's got a, a knife stuck in her, and it's, in, and it's in, and stuck in the floor.
2: It's in the floor. The knife was it through her chest and she's on her back like this, and the knife is through her chest and in the floor, often suggests a personal attack, often suggests this is, a, this is my last attack on you, and it was done when she was dead. So it suggested to me that whoever did this had some sort of feelings or some sort of um, um, knowledge or, or I- intimacy with the uh, woman who had the knife in her chest.
0: And just revenge, anger, and I mean, you've got to, it can't be easy to plunge a knife through someone's chest all the way through the back into the floor
2: absolutely it's a lot of anger and it's it's one of those this is my last basically uh, kick at, sh- at you
0: that day ryan's eyes would quickly dart around the room two double beds and a third body
2: there's a guy on a bed closest to the door here he was lying on his back. Very little blood on him, oddly enough, but what I did notice on him was that he had blood on his thigh, and you would think if there was a struggle, that blood on his thigh would have dripped or dried, coming straight down towards his feet. But the blood was drying, going down his thigh onto the bed, which meant to me, suggested to me that when he was lying on the bed, uh, the blood was wet and he was on the bed for some time and the blood went down his thigh onto, onto the bed as opposed to a large struggle. So that was suspicious.
0: But things would look even stranger to a homicide cop. Something else seemed out of place in this brutal crime scene.
2: The guy on the bed that we're just talking about also had a book in his, on his chest. He was reading. He was on his back as well and he has glasses on. So that was all very peculiar uh, to me. There was no sign of a robbery because all the luggage was in there. So what happened? Was there a suspect or was one of these three people responsible for this? That's what the question was.
0: And when you're initially in this room and the hallway, are you thinking you got a triple murder or are you thinking something else?
2: Initially, the potential was that we had a triple murder. And the concern was that we have a suspect in this building.
0: Ryan had already locked down the hotel, packed with Labor Day travelers, catching their last bit of summer before school started again. Beat cops would now go floor by floor, door by door, interviewing guests. And what were you looking for if you're looking for a suspect? If you go to like 1907, knock on the door, somebody answers. What, what are you looking for that makes that person a suspect?
2: Great question. So you, you would use a lot of your police experience with regards to a Q&A, a quick Q&A, but it would have been a big mess uh, with regards to DNA evidence. I would imagine a lot of blood. So you'd be looking for things such as that as well. Or if somebody came to the door out of character, or they're all freshly showered and, and changed, and you could smell the cleansiness at three in the morning, that may cause some suspicion.
0: The lockdown would last hours, as police set about the grueling task Of going door-to-door questioning every single person in the hotel no one was allowed to leave under any circumstances without first speaking to police and is there any complaints you know we know what hotels are often used for their uh, affairs etc was there anybody going hey i gotta get out of here i got a husband to go to i got a wife to go to
2: another great question and that did come up not those specific words but there were people that were like I need to get out of here and they just they couldn't leave we did our best to accommodate everybody but we had this uh, horrific crime scene it's tourist season we've got three european tourists all dead brutally stabbed we had to make sure that uh, there was no suspect running around
0: for tracy ford a public relations nightmare was quickly unfolding a bloodbath on the 19th floor of her hotel and three swiss tourists are dead
1: my thing is is who are these people what's their story where did they come from why were they here and why did this happen and it's it's very sad any any tragedy is sad and yeah that's the first thing i think of myself um but i also our responsibility in the hotel is to protect our 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 guests and and our employees so i kind of think who else is involved? Did anything happen to any of our our team? And what about other guests? And, you know, how does that affect them? What, you know, what if a child witnesses something? You know, how tragic is
0: that? And, Tracy, you, your team, you talk about that. They must have been shaken up. Like, oh, they, 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 very much so. Well, what's that like for them? Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's really, it's, it's tough, you know, to be exposed to, to situations like that and to see such loss. And tragic tragic
0: loss their passport still in the room the three people were quickly identified they were Swiss nationals 24-year-old Nadja Wurst 35-year-old Andre Ashwanden, and Thomas Kaufman a 35-year-old German-born man who also lived in Switzerland Wurst and Ashwanden, investigators learned had been best of friends and had signed up for a tour of Canada catering to people with hearing impairment Does he have a relationship with this woman?
2: They were friends for a very long time, very long time. And he had a a love interest in her and she didn't really feel the same way. So the two of them had booked a trip to come to to Toronto and then they're going to visit Canada.
0: Kaufman was the woman's new boyfriend. And all three agreed he would join them in Toronto and all three would stay in the same hotel room. A few key clues as to what happened quickly fell into place
2: for the investigator.
0: How do you piece together why this happened? Because you have a theory.
2: That's right. So it starts with the initial investigation, my suspicions um, based on my own observations, not to mention the knife that was um, left in that woman's chest uh, had the name of the guy that was on the bed with the glasses on. It was his, um, it was a very large Swiss army knife that had his name on it. So that was a, that could have been a clue as well. So as we learned the identifications of the three, people, knowing that the the knife was in the name of the one guy who I suspected committed the homicides.
0: On this the first night of the trip, the detective said Andre Ashwalden could not stomach this new arrangement with Kaufman, the new boyfriend who was in the bed next to him with the woman he harbored strong
2: feelings for. The hotel was quiet and many of the people we interviewed said they just heard a, a, a squeal, a screech, the, 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 the loudest sound, uh, the most horrific sound woman said that she'd ever heard because clearly somebody was in pain, and then another witness saw a naked man running down the hall, clearly fleeing uh, this uh, hotel room.
0: And it's your theory, I think, that, that they were having sex in the bed next to him.
2: Right. And that's what sent him into a jealous rage. Right. He could not stand the fact that he believed that there was uh, intimacy going on in the other bed. He was in his bed and that started the letter to his mother with regards to just how lousy he felt about the whole thing.
0: The letter to his mother, written in German, was found next to his bed. The words penned on the paper but not yet mailed. Once translated for investigators would help the police understand the mood in that room on that first night of this holiday.
2: So there's a letter that that, uh, this guy was writing to his mother in real time as his uh, love interest was in the bed next to him with her new boyfriend. And he basically was saying to his mom that uh, everybody else seems to be happy but him and he can't take it anymore. So it was almost like a goodbye letter to his mother and he put the letter down and then...
0: And so the pathologist rules it is a double murder-suicide. But there's a twist. Steve Ryan is not convinced the killer wanted to take his own life.
2: I'm not sure he thought that he was going to die. In fact, I don't believe he thought he was going to die. But I do think that he was prepared to um, suffer the consequences of the the double murder. Like I think he was expecting, I'm prepared to go to jail for for what I've done. And that's why the letter was written to his mom.
0: It seems odd that somebody would think that they would do this and know the consequence is is life in prison in a foreign jail. He must have had some real passion for this. You don't like the word passion, but there must have been something, anger, I guess.
2: Anger, yeah. There was a lot of anger, and I think it's something that we see quite often, and I say we as, as homicide detectives oftentimes when it comes to murder when it comes to um, violence against women most times it's it's that anger it's from some guy who's saying basically if I can't have you nobody can have you and it leads to this uh, just crazy unimaginable unspeakable act of violence
0: but how did the detective sergeant come to the theory that the killer did not intend to kill himself we go back to when Ryan first walked into room 1908 where there were two bodies inside One down the hall. So right now, you think you've got three murder victims. Two of them are really brutally stabbed. One of them a little bit stabbed. What are your thoughts on that?
2: My thoughts were, do we have a suspect? Or do we have a suspect? And that was what I thought when I first walked in that room. Wait a minute, I might be looking at our suspect right here on the bed. And it's for those reasons I described. The direction of the blood, the glasses on the... uh, wounds on his chest. Uh, This guy had, I would say, 30 or 40 small little nicks just above his heart. They're called hesitation wounds.
0: Two of the dead tourists covered in blood, the other dead but no significant deep knife wound and a little blood lying on the bed with a book and eyeglasses on as though he died reading. Something was not adding up that all three had been murdered let's talk about that so presume that it's a murder-suicide you look at those necks what's that about
2: so training tells me and pathology training as well uh, suggests that we as humans cannot bring ourselves to stab our own selves we can harm ourselves jump off a balcony shoot yourself in the head but you cannot take a sharp object and stick it in your own skin for whatever reason this guy had 30 to 40 hesitation wounds. So they were kind of pretend nicks, attempted suicide.
0: So maybe he tried to stab himself and die after killing the other two, but just didn't have the nerve to shove this big knife into his own chest.
2: What the guy didn't realize is that as he was doing these hesitation wounds, he nicked the top of his own heart. It caused him to bleed out, but bleed out slowly. So after committing the homicides, Running around like he did, the struggle. He lied back down in his bed, and eventually he just bled out on his own. And I don't suspect that he had any idea what was happening. He didn't know he was dying. He didn't know he was dying exactly, and be- and that's because the nick that was on his chest that nicked his heart. He wouldn't have felt that. The doctor says the pathologist said he wouldn't have felt that nick to his heart, but he cut it just enough that it caused him to bleed out eventually.
0: So, what do you think happens to him? He's lying on the bed. He's got his book. Does he just get tired, and just die?
2: yeah so he's lying on the bed it's late they just arrived a long trip and the girl that he's in love with uh, that he wanted a relationship with was in the next bed with a brand new boyfriend and he could not handle this and this was discussed by the three of them when they were in uh, switzerland making their way over here to toronto and he said he was okay with the idea because he didn't want to lose his money that he put up for this trip so the three of them came here together
0: The Cross Canada Tour continued without them. I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you for listening.